That is not dead, which can eternal lie, and with strange eons, even death may die. Welcome to another episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Nate, lost in time and space, and joined with me as always is... I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I am Nathan Early from Guardian Games and one of the administrators on Arkham Central. And Man from Lang is not going to be with us this episode, for he is at a family reunion, but um, we're going to go ahead and truck along without him tonight, so uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty awesome. Lots of gaming in this week. <laughs> yeah. What'd you had a chance to play this week? Oh, Arkham, of course. Got some D&D in and got Nerd. some Delta Green. Happy. Got nice. I'm super happy. Yep. Nice. So, would you would you play you Arkham? Oh well, I um I did one final test play of my scenario, and I I've been doing a lot of test runs of um, Curtain Call in preparation for mm. the season two of the League of Extraordinary Investigators. Hey, so cut the crap! When's yours going to become available? I want to play it. <laughs> I know. There's been you know it's. It's this thing when you create stuff. I'm sure it happened when, when you made your scenario that you, you're constantly. Nope. Running I just was like, boom, done. That's it. No. <laughs> well, you have a deadline, right? So for no, that's me, it's true. like I'm constantly, I'm trying to tweak it every time, and I just gotta move on and, and get over it. It's pretty. It's done. It's yeah. done. I just keep going back and like, oh, I got maybe I should okay. change this or I should add this. So yeah, soon, very very soon. Well, yeah, once you get it done. All I was going to say is once you get it done, we should get it out there in the universe and we'll have our listeners run through it and uh, we'll maybe even have a contest with that. That'd be neat, yeah. Get their feedback, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you played some Delta Green? Yeah, I did. Um, actually, I played a Call of Cthulhu scenario converted for Delta Ooh. Green. And nice. it's called uh, Ladybug, Ladybug, Fly Away Home. I guess that's a saying people say. I don't know. But um, my wife's mom used to say it to her when she was little. <laughs> I've never heard the phrase before. Um, but it's really it's really cool. It's, it actually takes place in modern day, which there's this book from Call of Cthulhu. Cause, uh, it's called uh, The Things We Leave Behind. And it's a lot of modern day scenarios for Call of Cthulhu. So they're perfect to convert into Delta Green. Uh, and That's this neat. One, I, I actually think, is... think um, I think mm -hmm. Seth Gorkowski. I don't know if you're familiar with his YouTube channel, but I think he actually did a review of that exact scenario that you run. So he did. I'm I'm familiar with his channel, and I saw his review, and I watched the playthrough that he was a part of. Um, it was the way they played it. They they were on a time crunch, so they had to kind of rush through some parts. But his review was very thorough and really helped me run it and convert it for Delta Green. Very, very good scenario. I, I enjoyed it. it um, I mean, it, the, my players were, were really, really into it as they uncovered more and more. And then someone made a website for... There's, there's like a website for these fanatics and uh, someone actually made a real website where people can go on when they're playing the game and log on and see it in real time. So it's... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's like a game prop, but it's an actual website. Really cool. 
That's really yeah. neat. So um, that was a lot of but fun. to answer your question uh, that you asked, like for the third time, I've played a bunch of Arkham over the past couple of weeks. I ran through TFA with Solo Ursula, which ended up being much better than I had anticipated. Um, you ran the whole the, thing. The first couple. Yeah, I had so I had basically a whole weekend to myself where I could just you know spend two whole mornings just playing through like four scenarios at a time. So the first morning I built a deck and then ran through um, Untamed Wilds, Doom of Etsley, uh, Threads of Fate, and then the second day I ran through Boundary and the rest of the scenarios. And yeah, Ursula crushed through Untamed Wilds and then Double Pathfinder was super good going into Doom of Etsley. Oh, and then yeah. from there, I just I upgraded into uh, double Crystalline Elder Sign and double Ornate Poe, and then from there, the deck was pretty much good to go. So, Really? That's awesome. Did you did you ever watch um, Man From Lang uh, run through with Ursula? I uh, did. He is not, he's not here. We do not mention him. No, I was joking. It's ah! <laughs> he t- um, speaking of him, he said he might pop in, so there might be a might. random appearance of him tonight. But we're not expecting it. So, uh, we're not, Nathan, what about you? What have you been link. playing? Um, I taught someone. It was funny. I had somebody come over for a game night, and because of a couple issues, people canceled. I mean, I've got like I I manage or help manage a game store, so I have like. Two, three hundred games on my wall. They're all fantastic. Um, so I don't usually do Arkham Horror on those nights, but I had some come over last night. Other people had canceled, and so I was like, we can do this, this, or this. And she's like, what's that giant cabinet of miniatures and stuff? I'm like, oh, that's Arkham Horror. That's my obsession. Let's do that. So I taught someone how to play. Uh, I also gave her a choice of some different settings, and she chose the jungle. So yeah, we did Untamed Wilds. <laughs> She was surprised wow. by the sheer amount of snakes, which uh, which was, you know, great. But she really enjoyed it. She, she caught on quickly and had a good time. She played Ursula, oddly enough. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I played, I think I just played Leo to keep in the theme of it. Mm-hmm. So it was neat. I did have to give the, oh, none of the things you see here uh, come with the, the base game. Like, she's like, oh, well, what about this? No, no, not, nothing you see in front of you comes with the game. <laughs> just Just trust me on this one. That's None of this elaborate setup that I've constructed. Yeah, so don't get used to this. <laughs> um, and then I played Kingdom Death Monster, which is one of my other passions. I played Carnival Zombie, which, if the listeners have not tried it, is awesome. Carnival Zombie is amazing. And then I did a bunch of new board game testing like I do every week because it's my job. Very cool. Yeah, um, so tonight's main topics, we're going to discuss uh, Arkham Horror Final Hour, our first impressions of FFG's new Arkham Files games. Um, In the news of the Arkham LCG, FFG announced the murder at the Excelsior Hotel, so we're going to take a look into into that new scenario. And we're also going to take a look at... Uh, the return to the path to Krakosa, and we're going to discuss our, our hopes and what we expect to see out of the upcoming box set. And then from there, we're going to have a chance to talk about the taboo list now that we've had a chance to 
play. Is it taboo or taboo? I like. I just never figured that one out. Um, that must be totally a dialectal thing. I would assume. Dialect. I say, is that a word? I say taboo, and I think other oh. people say taboo. I, I think know. that's mostly a. Toronto Whatever it is, thing. you can't Ty-bo. say it's forbidden. It's Taibo. Banks <laughs> came up with it. Yeah, I feel ripped. Why? Because the new Taibo list. <laughs> Oh, I used to do. I don't think you understood that. I would scream at that Uh, at that TV. You Billy. Well, yeah, because I I figured it would develop your core, and I just bought a core set, so I don't get it. He would lie. He'd be like, "One more kick, one more," and he'd do like five more (laughs) kicks. Is it is it just like him like holding a machete with higher education? Wow. Wow. The botanists don't hold the machete. And then oh, from man. there, we're going to go ahead and uh, move into Nathan's community highlight and trivia time. And then we'll trivia probably time. discuss a couple other things if we have time, too. But, um, yeah, so first order of business before we get into our main topics for tonight, um, we're going to go ahead and mention our Patreon business. We have our first charnel lord that has entered amongst the ranks of our worshippers. Robert Bout, thank you so much for your support. Thank you, Robert. And thank you, Robert. Our random... Very awesome. A random patron shout out. This episode goes out to a Mr. Solar J, um, who's been very active in our <laughs> Discord server. He um, has been. Mm-hmm. So we he recently it. had the idea to start a book club with our fellow patrons, which we awesome. totally loved the idea of. Um, so we've decided to start with uh, Gareth Hanrahan's The Gutter Prayer, which is the first in his Black Iron Legacy series. Uh, I've only read the first couple of chapters, and we have yet to even set a date for the first book club meeting, but I think we're going to shoot for once a month. I think that was the tentative plan. Vase, do you remember? Yeah, I think it is once a month, and that gives Some... people plenty of time to catch up uh, for the first couple of chapters before our first yeah. meeting. Yeah, so if you're interested in joining in on the fun, consider becoming a worshiper of the Great Old Ones on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegreatoldonesgaming. Uh, there's, something, there's something insidious about that. It's like, hey, you know, if you're not doing anything later, you should just totally worship the Great Ones. Great Old Ones, it's great. Well, yeah, I mean, what else is having else Cthulhu rise from his house of Relier is great. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, take it from the words of a deranged cultist, please. who do you think is at Um, Lang's family reunion come on (laughs) yeah seriously can you imagine an actual man from Lang family reunion (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) not much just hanging out hitting the plateau later you know desolate hanging out who ate all the guacamole (laughs) (laughs) where I go me goes (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Uh, uh, outer planar humor. I think oh, we just geez. lost a co-host tonight. Forever. Oh crap! <laughs> no, we didn't need Vase anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the shot out of left field. Jeez. Yeah, left Langfield. <laughs> oh, oh man. Sorry, my my jokes plateaued on that one. Hey, speaking uh, of which, <laughs> since his name his since his name was uttered, I'm gonna say right now. I don't know if the audience has noticed, but but maybe some people here in this channel have. My sole purpose in life is to get that man to laugh at one of my goddamn jokes. <laughs> so far, I'm like, oh, for about 70? 
and I watch too because for those people at home, we when we record stuff, I get to watch the little meter that shows how much people are talking or making noise, and it's like flatlined whenever I crack a joke <laughs> from our man in Canada. So there are uh, what is it, three hundred sixty-five days in the year, and all three hundred sixty-five days of the year I spend trying to crack through that armor of that Canadian majesty. <laughs> it's going to happen one day. It's going to happen one day. I'm, you say that, that, but it will. I, as soon as it happens, I'm going to think doppelganger. I'm not going <laughs> to give in to my hopes. I mean, he is the man from Lang, so like there could be you know many True, and he's going to get power when you get a whole set that could include you in it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just bitter. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're funny. So if that. Yeah, well, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it, maybe if Matt Newman, bless his name, all that he does, if Matt Newman would maybe do an entire deluxe box about the ye old curiosity shop of Arkham, I could pop in as the sales guy. Other than that, I don't stand a chance. That would be actually really cool if they. An like, entire, entire deluxe thing. box. Yeah. Just, just on the curiosity shop. Then you get returned to the the broom closet of the curiosity shop. <laughs> this time the broom attacks you. <laughs> it was a wooden roll, but he did it well. Uh, but in in other Patreon news, um, we're we're well on our way to meeting our first stretch goal of setting up regular games with our patrons and in order to hype up this goal face you've start um you've started a game of delta green so we're probably going to plan on recording that later this cool. month so it's a good one yes i hope yes. i hope that i do it justice because you guys are going to be creeped out it, i can't wait i can't wait it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah, and, uh, so be sure to check that out. Yeah, and uh, we plan on uh, on running games with a lot of our patrons um, as as the time comes along. We'll do some Arkham Horror and some Delta Green, maybe some Call of Cthulhu. Yep, I definitely plan on running Pulp and Call of Cthulhu at some point with patrons. Um, you know, I'm sure Man will probably set up a stream at some point. We'll we'll get all the details ironed out once we get there, but um yeah, be sure to uh to check those out when when those come down the pipeline. Um, in other non podcast news, I'm going to be at Necronomicon this year, so that's super exciting. That's so cool. Yeah, I, so I'm going to be demoing Arkham LCG Friday, and Saturday I'm going to be running the Eternal Slumber. Um, so if you want to check that out, if you're going to be there, there's info on the Necronomicon website. And in honor of the convention this year, Chaosium is actually publishing a special scenario called The Shadow Over Providence, which looks super cool, by the way. Um, I, I don't know if you guys got the link that I sent you, but um, the scenario is actually written by one of the hosts of the Miskatonic University podcast, John Hook. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that podcast, but um, they do mostly um, topics centered around the role-playing games of the Cthulhu Mythos, so like Call of Cthulhu, Pulp Cthulhu, Delta Green, etc. Awesome. Um, so oh, yeah, just okay. wanted to give that a quick shout-out before we head into our main topics tonight. Um, yeah, if you're going to be there, swing by, say hi, and uh, yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, moving into tonight's main topics. Um, guys, there's a new there's a new Arkham Files game coming out this year. Another it's a... Uh, yeah, I know, seriously. What do you guys think? <laughs> it's a new co-op game, up to four players. Um, could be played in under an hour, which is neat. The final hour. Yes, the only final hour of your game session. <laughs> I think I think that's a great gateway game for people to to get into the at least the Arkham Files uh, mythos and characters. A lot of the other games are kind of prohibitive because some people just have and you know a little over an hour to play board games. So having a game that is specifically going to last less than an hour, it's a great draw for more casual gamers who. Maybe a little bit more interested in these characters and say, "Oh, yeah. what's up with this other game?" It does this have a weight game. of of three out of five, so it's not uber light. Hmm. Yeah, I personally really like the idea of uh, shorter Arkham Files games. It's hard for at least for my play group to be able to fit two two games in a session. We tend to play for maybe five or six hours and. A game of Arkham for us can take upwards of like you know four hours, and then we eat, and then that's pretty much the entire day. So, so this is an so this is nice for for groups like you know like my play group that may not necessarily always have the time to build a deck and then run through a scenario. Um, I'm really interested to fix. see what this. Yeah, and still get your <laughs> mythos fixed. So, um, what's neat about this game? is that it takes the normal gathering clues, closing gates, and kind of flips it on its head a little bit. So rather than running around and closing gates, you're actually um, trying to recover pieces of, um, like, ritual pieces or ritual symbols. And this is how you, you eventually stop the ritual and banish the Great Old Ones from the game, and eventually, I guess, win. Um... From my oh, understanding and from what it says games. in the article, it's mostly, there's a big emphasis on combat in this game versus other Arkham Files games. Um, and this is kind of doubled down with the investigators that they chose. They have Jenny Barnes, Michael McGlynn, and Lily Chen, the martial artist, which would be super cool to see in the LCG, by the way. Um, yeah, what are, you, what are you guys' thoughts on, on this, other than... Just kind of, oh, neat, another Arkham Files game. Right. Go ahead, Vase. bit curious about... Um, so, Vase, I'm going to interrupt replay- you. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying... Oh, sorry, go ahead. What um, What about the replayability is what I'm curious. Because I'm looking at the website, and they have the game board. And I'm sure that's like the set game board. Are there randomized... You know, I'm wondering if there's like randomized... I haven't read through the article yet, but... Um, so like aspects from, or... from what I gather, it sounds like that there's different ancient ones that you pick from, kind of like in the second edition board game, or like a scenario pack, kind of like in third edition, and and then like each each ancient one has their own unique initial setup and encounter deck, I believe. So there's there's replayability in that aspect that you can pl- you know you can play against the different ancient ones. And obviously, like, the different investigators that you can play as. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'd be curious to see about the other um, replayability aspects of this game as well. 
Yeah, I just read uh, a lot of reviews online and commentary, and basically the community is kind of in that same boat where, and maybe this was your initial thought too, it's like, oh, there's another thing, should we get into it? But everyone's basically saying there's different feels, there's Mansions of Madness, obviously the card game, the board game, Elder Chorter, Elder Sign. And someone made a good point, they said they were expecting Elder Sign 2 this year, but instead we have this, and I mean, it's gonna it's gonna play a piece of the pie. I think the first thing Vase you said, and maybe it was you agreed to Nate was that it will be another gateway for people to to experience the game, so that they they can get into something heavier like one of the board games or, or the card game itself. But I think the, somebody else made a good point. They're like, hey, the people that make these games do have insight, do have their opinions on it. So. I am totally going to leave my uh, criticizing out and uh, and open myself up to the game and see what they have to do. Well, what do you think? So since you're, since you're in a game store, you see a lot of these gateway games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just assuming it is, but we were talking before the show about uh, the D&D board games and how you know, they're uh-huh. kind of like trimmed down versions of the main game just to kind of get people in their fix or whatever to get them into what it's like um what do you think does that generally get people more people into D&D or the more complex it gets a different group of people yeah so yeah it's interesting because with like uh and if people are familiar with things like uh Castle Ravenloft Legend of Dritzt uh etc they focus on basically the the climax of an adventure like you are at the castle Ravenloft and it's full of undead so it's step punch in the face step punch in the face somebody I know said they love that game and out of every 10 times they play it they maybe beat it four times but it's for people that really want to focus on the combat that don't want to sit down and have a long session where they role play you know hey who's going to take watch and let's roll and see what happens and now let's barter in town and Let's look at your lines of nobility and talk about the history of... You know, I mean, that's one aspect of D&D, which is awesome. But some of those games are just meant to kind of cut to the, the meat of the matter. And in a way, maybe this is too, if you're getting right down to under an hour, pretty focused on combat. You know, it's the kind of distilled, not diluted, but concentrated Arkham experience for maybe to give people a taste or a different taste. Yeah, it's got a very pulp feel to it, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So the FFGs actually did also announce that they'll be doing a live stream with the game's developers playing this game sometime later this month, too. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can certainly check out the live stream and the archive on YouTube. Um, yeah, other than that, I think I think it'll be interesting to see where the game goes and if they're going to have expansions and you know, new investigators enter the game and what that'll be like. My apologies. I read a really good quote. Remember I said I was checking out a bunch of comments? This quote has a lot of really good information for as small as this is, or or review, pardon me. Played a full game at the FFG booth yesterday. We got it done in well under an hour. Immediately bought it after. It's fast and frenetic. No communication is allowed. So there is no alpha player oh, problem. Interesting. Oh, that throws a little twist into it. Huh. Yeah, that's that's um, really interesting. Because that's kind of like a criticism of the Arkham LCG is that 
you know, it ends up, especially, especially when you play with newer players and you're the more experienced player, it kind of ends up like you being the backseat gamer in a way. Yeah. I don't know do if you, you guys really want to do that? that. Do you? Do you think that's Yeah. Good? Or more just like <laughs> you end up kind of nudging people into the right decisions. Yeah. Which I really, I really like that aspect of that. That's really neat. I, I think that's though, interesting. that yeah. there should be portions, I hope that there are, like within the game, where you can talk. I think it adds, it releases the tension of, because most people Kinda get like to, Magic Maze? Have you magic, played that? Magic Maze is amazing. Magic Maze or Mountains of Madness, you know, where there's a moment so, where you can actually talk and discuss it. Magic Maze is great. I mean, you, you flip the, for those who haven't played the game, you're just, you can't talk, you're moving little figurines across this maze and trying to, you're in a mall trying to get some weapons um and you're you can move as many pieces and everyone's there's no turns everybody's moving everything at the same time it's really frantic but there's a timer and you can get to a position where you can flip the timer and at that moment everyone can talk but the timer's still going so you talk really fast and everyone's just frantically you know screaming at each other as to what they want everybody else to do and if, if there's something like that i think it adds to the fun because you get together to talk and have fun with your friends if the entire time you're not talking, that could be a little bit of a, of a weird gaming session, you know. Yep. No, absolutely. And that was that was a good, uh, I think, analogy. And that and Mountains of Madness you mentioned as well. Yeah. 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 Mountains that one is also kind of crazy. Well, cool. Yeah, I was just um, I was just reading the article about Final Hour, and to kind of go on your um, to go back onto the point of discussing. Um, discussing with other players. So the the article sh- uh, shows some of the characters' signature cards that go into the character decks, and they're kind of a mix of a an event and a weakness, essentially. So it looks like um, you resolve both halves of a card, uh, one half first and then the bottom half second, and the top half is usually something beneficial, and the bottom half is usually something pretty bad. Um, so I'll just read off Jenny's Twin 45s here. So it says, resolve the following two effects, or resolve the following effect two times. Attack monsters at your location, or at adjacent location, for two, and then I can't really see what that symbol is. Squiggle mark, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like a starburst or something. Anyway. Does um, it really matter where I got them, though? Mm. I don't think so. <laughs> and then moving into the bottom half, it says move up to one time, then investigate your location, and then activate monsters in the purple zone, which is locations 6 through 10. So so it's kind of a neat take on the the having having a benefit but at at a certain cost, which is kind of a very tug the tug and pull of the Arkham Files series, which I've always really liked. So that's kind of a neat twist on on bringing the horror aspect of of that into the mechanics of the game. Also, I don't know if anyone in channel here knows about it, but one of the better kids games that has come out is through uh, Haba. Wait, is it Haba? No, pardon me. It's Peaceful Kingdoms, and it was done by Matt Laycock, the same designer who did Pandemic, and it's called Mole Rats in Space. And it's phenomenal. It's like a really amazing kids game. And check this out. Every time you pull a card, the top part of it is positive, 
and the bottom part of it is negative. So that's what kind of reminded oh. me of this too. Huh. Interesting. Huh. So they're yeah, and it works like well as a, a kids game. So. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Neat. Yeah, I wonder if they took inspiration from games like that. From many different games, yeah. Put mm. them all together. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely yeah, so. be up for trying it out. Maybe we should, uh, Vase, you and I can get together and have a little play session. Yes. We'll have, if we, we'll have if it we on a future episode date, you can play it too <laughs> on your end and we'll get together. So moving on to our next topic here, uh, going back into the world of the Arkham LCG, um... Nicholas Corey co-designed a standalone scenario for the Arkham LCG along with Matt Newman, and they did a special promo video for Murder at the Excelsior Hotel. And am I the only one that can think of, that can't think of the word Excelsior without saying it in some sort of strange oh. voice like that? No, you can't. Am, am I the only one? No. Come on, Stanley. <laughs> Excelsior. Excelsior. Yeah, like I, I just I can't I can't I can't unsee it. But I mean. This scenario looks super cool. I don't know. What, oh, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Oh, I'm what a big fan. Uh, and remember, I think was last week we did Nicholas Corey, um, the Winter Winds campaign, Frozen Tracks. Did we do the first one? So we did the we we covered him ironically enough and talked about him as a writer and being you know kind of full of energy and ideas. And of course I didn't know, and I even mentioned to him that I was going to talk about him a little bit, like a month or two ahead of time. And what does he go and do? Surprises the community with uh, this awesome adventure. So, you know, it looks fantastic. And I think they've got 10 different endings, which is cool. And he said that one of the endings is really unique and will get a lot of discussion if people ever get to it. So that kind of really makes me at least want to, to drive myself and try it several times. But no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of fan-made content, uh, flavorful content. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this, and I plan on doing an event at Guardian. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. Um, what do you guys think about the new keywords introduced in this scenario? Patrol particularly is really fascinating to me. I like that idea That's a lot. It's very really flavorful. Cool. If they if they can incorporate that into you know later scenarios, that would be awesome to have, you know, people who I'm assuming it's just people who move around instead of just hunter and moving around like they could be aloof and walking around just a, a certain area, which which is great, especially if you have like uh, NPCs, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, non enemy characters walking around, uh, add a little more flavor to each to each location, each scenario fill the world up with more, you know, fill it in with more people, interesting people. Yeah. Um, and to show off the new patrol mechanic, they revealed the scenario card Hotel Guest, which is a a one fight, one health, two evade enemy with the humanoid guest and innocent traits. It spawns in the nearest hall location. It has aloof and patrol with the parameters of the nearest crime scene location. It has an ability that says, Forced, at the end of the enemy phase, if Hotel Guest is at a crime scene location, add one Doom to Hotel Guest. And then it has a parlay action that says, Test Willpower or Intellect 3. If you succeed, discard Hotel Guest. So that's a really cool design going on th on your um, on your idea of the, the NPC, so to speak. This is like a really neat play on that idea. 
And there's uh, a lot of really AI. design space for this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, no, it looks really cool. The, Did anyone hear the um, the Mythos Buster episode with Nicholas Corey talking about it? Yes, I did have a chance to listen to that. I just like how he was like, I was talking to Matt Newman and I said, hey, what about a hotel murder or something? And then he's like, <laughs> and then Matt Newman turns around like, I'm not interested. And he's like, but wait, what if you have to like clear your name or something? I'm kind of interested, said Matt Newman. <laughs> he did something like that. Like, I could just see Matt like with this, with this finger steepled in a high leather back chair like, Tell me more. Yeah. D- during anyway. the like the finger curl, the Mister Burns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Now I gotta get that you know, that made. This game never ceases to amaze me with all these keywords, like how they they really bring life to the game. It's it's blows my mind every time. You know, like yeah, we're, it's, we're talking it's really on the, Yeah, on the Discord, we were talking about House Always Wins one of the best scenarios in Arkham. And, uh... Wow. You know, how, how the story is just brought to life by the mechanics, and it's it's amazing how much they can do with it. Like, this patrol thing, I mean, um... Wow. It just, it really blows my mind. It really blows my mind. Um, I think this patrol mechanic would be really cool in that, uh, Wendigo scenario for the animals. Because then they can oh, actually yeah. move around. You know, like the wild animals. Yeah, that would around. be really cool. Well, they're they're wild animals. And I just love the fact that anytime you play, without giving too many spoilers away, with anytime you play against the Wendigo, you pull out a deer and people are like, what the hell? And you're <laughs> like, it's just, a, it's just a deer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, all right. I just don't like that deer looking at me. That's great. <laughs> That's because yep. they don't spend enough time in the woods in the East Coast. Mm, good point. Mm, so. They don't blare witch it up like we say. Yes. But the other mechanic, uh, the lead stick, is also really interesting, too. It's kind of a variation on the explore mechanic. Or at least that's kind of the impression that I get. Um, what, what are your guys' thoughts on the lead stick? Is it, what does the lead stick say? What's the keyword definition? So, so the lead stick is um, how you advance the first act in in the scenario. So... You, there's an action on the act that says spend one uh, one clue per investigator as a group to draw the top card of the lead stick, and the objective is if the investigators control two lead assets, advance. So the idea is that you 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 run around the hotel investigating, trying to get leads on, you know who who could have possibly convicted the murder, and then. Uh, from what it sounds like, there's also treacheries thrown in, mm-hmm. so it, that's kind of what gives me that explore vibe. Um, yeah, what what do you guys think about that? No, it's cool. Once again, it's another way to build a better box of sorts. Yeah, instead of just gathering a clue token, you know, you're actually getting like leads, which which really adds to that immersion of of truly investigating a mystery. And you're, well, and solving solving a crime, yeah. Yeah, and you're as you're getting more leads, you know. Yeah, you can get some false ones that end up hurting you, but just that's that's really what just happens, you know, in the real world. So I think that's really really cool that they implemented that too. It seems like it's going to be a really fun scenario. 
Um, yeah, do you guys have any other thoughts on Murder at the Excelsior Hotel before we move on to our next time? All I know is it comes out on a specific day, and I want that day to be today. So. I hope, my thing is, I hope they implement an elevator mechanic like they did in that uh, Grand Oak Hotel scenario. That's it. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, um, it was interesting because we had talked about that scenario, too, in a couple of episodes ago, I believe. Um, where that I wonder scenario, if we can... You, I wonder if we can somehow like string them together, like for a, an event. Like you start with the Grand Oak, and then you you're like, you know what? Forget this place. I'm gonna go to the Excelsior, <laughs> where shit doesn't get cray cray. Yes. I mean, that would be really cool. All right. So you, you start you start at the Grand Oak Hotel, and then you take a ride across Essex County, <laughs> and then you end up at the Excelsior. Frozen nice. tracks. And you're there, just like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Boom. Mini campaign done. Um, But yeah, they've also, FFG also announced another article going into some more detail about the return to the path to Carcosa. Uh, I recently did an exhaustive video on this subject, so I'm going to let you guys discuss what your thoughts are on this. So much stuff's coming out. Return to Carcosa. Did we need to return? Yes, we did. It was was (laughs) amazing the first time. And we're happy to go back in a second time. You know, I had done a, an inquiry for the, uh, what do you call it? magnifying glass fan made that I gave away. And I asked people what their favorite scenario was. And it was like, I think it was like 70% said Carcosa. Yeah, I had a very similar um, trend of responses when I asked a question like that on my YouTube channel. It was like, unspeakable loath, unspeakable loath, unspeakable yeah. loath curtain call unspeakable oath <laughs> like yeah yeah i think a lot of people just agree that it's just probably the game's best yeah. campaign to unspeakable date. oath unspeakable oath house always wins house always wins <laughs> <laughs> all the time um yeah yeah so the the second article kind of goes into some detail about the new changes made to the <laughs> the unspeakable <laughs> oath weirdly enough um yeah, so they they revealed so that there's a before, new. So before before you talk about it, sorry Nate, because you gave us a perfect chance to talk about it, and then came in like you should with the the, the actual meat. I want to talk about some things that I think would be cool to add to it real quick, as just a very quick like, you know, concept. So I had written this down, and feel free uh, between each of the main concepts to add your comments, but. For the very first one with the the play, I thought it'd be cool to have like almost like apparitions, but there's a chance that part of the play will like in ghost form happen while you're doing the walking around. So you start to go a little bit mad. You maybe see someone deliver a line or, or something like that. I don't know. I think that would be kind of a neat concept. That's creepy. <laughs> like, yeah, that is super creepy. And pieces. There's so much they so, can do with the with play, that, like a play scenario like so, that. There's so many different ways they can take it. Yeah. Nathan, would that work kind of like how the pursuit mechanic works in Depths of Yoth? Mm. Where enemies kind of like enter in and out of play? Is that kind of what you were thinking? No, but it is now. No, that <laughs> sounds cool. That sounds cool. I like that. So I And I don't want to spend too long on this. I just want to touch it talk about it for a minute and go on so that way we don't take up everybody's time. But for the dinner party, 
I like the concept of the the band or the the what is it? Uh, was it? Not necessarily a band, but like the little string quartet playing for everybody. They could like vary their tempo with the music, and that would have an effect and, and affect everybody. So they might like play more ominous music, and everybody has to suffer that. Or maybe they do an upbeat thing, and it's rare, but it would affect things. So maybe there would be like a separate mood deck for the band. Almost imagine it like uh, NPC bards. I don't know. That would have been interesting to uh, to have added to the mix at least. I do feel like the the dinner party could have had a few more elements with different things, like you said, the band, the actual dinner. Like there are a couple of treacheries, but maybe some more scenario specific events that occur as the night progresses. That that would make it really interesting. And the band, the band being a really yeah, cool that would one. make it interesting. Um, I mean, but there... what do you guys think about the party guest? Oh, just kind that's, of on the subject of that scenario. That's like the fix to uh, to Divine. Uh, that was her name, right? Divine? Yeah, Divine. Yeah. yeah, that was that was my impression of that, too. Because I think they, she didn't work the way they intended her to, is, is the impression I well, got. Well, they kind of made people freak out for no reason. Yeah, well, because... People like, oh my god, I gotta kill her. Yeah, and some people play her wrong. They move her after she's hit... Uh, you know, party guests had zero clues, and they'll move her to the next party guest that they pick up a clue from, or whatever, or towards that guest. So some people make that mistake. New players, especially, I know I made that mistake, and I kept moving her around, and and, and then I read it online where I was like, oh, no, she's. And I think that's kind of the like the intention behind the design, hmm. but yeah, I think it was just kind of lost in the actual like text of the mechanic. Yeah, so. yeah, somewhere in there it got, it got lost, and I think this party guest kind of fixes that, it patches that up, in a nice little way without screwing with too many other things. Yeah. So yeah, Nathan, what, what were the um, other uh, changes that you wanted to make? Uh, let's see, continuing on our path, after that we go to the historical society that had the, um, and, and obviously spoilers, I'm not going to give away what happens, but I'm just going to briefly touch on stuff. So if you haven't played Path to Carcosa, uh, please... Go do that immediately. Go do it. We'll pause and come back. Um, in the next one, you're you're running around the historical society building the archives, and there's other people looking at books. And, you know, I mean, it's great. But I think having some extra secret rooms or some, like, special things that can happen there, like even more nooks and crannies... I think that would have made it kind of pop a bit. And you could have them be at random. So, like, as you're on the, the third floor, the third landing, you're over there, you're looking at this room, there's a chance that you could find a secret door or, or something going on. I mean, there is one obvious secret door, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, like, right, yeah. some flavor that way. Or hide it, hide yeah, it in I... the treachery deck, <clears throat> the encounter deck, and a secret room pops up. Hey, where you're at, all of a sudden there's a secret room. And it has surge. Oh, that's cool. That, that way you still get a trip. That kind of reminds me of um, the, the encounter card from... Oh. Yeah, that, that idea kind of reminds me of the encounter card from... What was it? Secret Name? Yes. The, the strange geometry, strange geometry. locations? Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. So that, that'd be a neat... That's a really neat idea. There's a lot that you could do so with that much, scenario. Yeah. I, think, I think that scenario kind of just suffers from a lack of sense of urgency, whereas the, the Doom kind of weirdly accumulates... Yeah. And if you're good at killing enemies, then you can kind of really just coast oh. through that scenario pretty easily. Cake. So you can have dinner. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I played. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I played through a 
he saw a little Roland campaign recently, and yeah, Roland just crushes that scenario because you just you kill enemies, you get clues, and then yeah, it's super easy. So, so there's definitely a lot of changes that you could do to that scenario. Oh yeah, for the for the next one with the uh, uh, insane asylum, I thought it would be cool to have down in the basement in the the uh, the dangerous quote unquote dangerous patients ward. You know how you're open the doors and you're getting the clues and all that's great, but have one of the doors have one of the random dangerous inmates, so you could take three or four people that all have very special abilities. If I had made it, I would have said, okay, let me let me step back because I sound like a prima donna. Matt Newman and their crew and all their playtesters are much better than I will ever be, period. That said, had someone said, hey, is there anything you would want to add to this? I would have probably added a small stockpile of special characters instead of the one that just like runs away or whatever. It would have been interesting to deal with them and like one could be physically intimidating another one could like you would have to parlay with them because he kind of drives you nuts with his logical illogical reasoning you could even have one open up and and the person's been dead and dead for a long time kind of like the the sense of time that the man with the pilot mask you know messes with and like you've got to just take some massive uh checks because of how disgusting and shocking the room looks. That is really, really So you creepy. never know what's going to be down there. So that gives you that little bit of sense of apprehension of, oh crap, we're going down to the dangerous wing. I remember there's some gnarly stuff that can happen. You have a twisted mind, Nathan, but I like it. It's <laughs> I used to teach grade school. Oh, that is, that's, a really, that's a really cool idea, yeah. Nathan. Um, you know, yeah. what about I want to add that dread. Uh, I was thinking like, I mean, the... the Asylum still has all the nurses and doctors, and they're kind of deranged themselves. Like, why didn't we see any as, yeah. as, as either enemies or maybe, uh, in addition to the creatures deck and the lunatics deck, also you know the asylum people trying to commit you back. The in. asylum deck. Yeah, the asylum deck. Yeah, yeah I'd really like to see Doctor Mince yes. as an enemy card. Dr. Well, Mince. do you remember what Matt Newman said? I think he talked about this in his Drawn to the Flame interview to wrap up the Carcosa cycle if I remember correctly but he said that he really liked the uh, Arkham Asylum and he feels like there's other ways to go back and encounter it in a different light ah okay yeah the the second article kind of does go into some detail about that um they revealed that there's going to be two new variations to the second act in that scenario and that there's a new enemy that can potentially spawn in one of the um, one of the patient confinement rooms. The host of insanity. Host of insanity is a four combat, four health, four evade enemy. It has the avatar and elite traits. It is massive and has the hunter keyword. And host of insanity gets plus two health per investigator, and has an action that says, "If you control clasp of black onks parlay, you reveal the." You reveal the clasp to the creature. It freezes in place, whispering a garbled prayer. Automatically evade host of insanity. It has a victory one and deals one health and one sanity of damage upon attack. So this thing is brutal. So is this kind of like what I said? Did I feel like I just piggybacked on their idea? No, um, no, your idea was something completely... I mean, you had 
some other ideas that were not mentioned in this article. But yeah, your idea we'll kind of reminds close. me of the uh, spoiler alert for the end of GFA. The Alejandro and the Ichitaka assets from Threads of Fate, where they're an enemy on one side and a story asset on the other side. Gotcha. That was kind of what I was me thinking too. for your idea. But, um, yeah, so my thinking is that one version is going to be where you enter the asylum as a patient, as that was hinted in the article, and one of the other versions is going to be where you can actually um, parlay with Daniel Chesterfield. Uh, Yeah, I think that was mentioned in the FAQ, that there's people who are asking about uh, if it was possible to activate that parlay action, and ominously the FAQ says for now. So, uh, so that's that's kind of my expectation for that. But um, yeah. What are, what are your guys' thoughts? Are, are there any other changes to that scenario, or do we want to keep on, um, on with the next? We scenarios? mentioned, I think, um, in the Discord about. Uh, hopefully having another way to continue the story instead of being left behind halfway through and having to, you know, create a new deck of new investigators. Because it is, it is a campaign ender, spoiler alert, if you don't make it through. <laughs> so I'm hoping that there is some kind of way... Wow, that was a really delayed spoiler alert. I gave it. I gave it afterwards. So here's the spoiler alert. Well, I mean, it should be okay because no, I said it. As long as you say spoiler yeah. alert, it doesn't matter. Like, I can come back but... on the next episode and say spoiler alert for something we said on this one. It'd be okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because we said it, right? Yeah. So, wow. Anyways. <laughs> I agree to disagree, Hooker. <laughs> All right, so next. Uh, a Phantom of Truth. Uh, I mean, that was great, racing around all of Paris, trying to find the, uh, um, what do you call it? The organist. They were, yeah, the organist, the, the avatar. Uh, I mean, I don't have any immediate ways that I would change that. I'm sure they're going to add some stuff. Maybe add, the location seemed a little bland in comparison, but once again, the focus wasn't even supposed to be on them. But if you had locations that kind of tied you down more or like, wicked things in the garden or things. I mean, that would add that more of a sense of, oh, no, I don't want to go through that crazy, weird gardens of, I can't remember what it was called, Luxembourg Gardens, I think. Yep, yep. Because I've got this thing on my tail chasing me. Yeah, I would, I'm kind of expecting them to have another organist enemy. Um, They, in the article, they suggest that there's going to be a new third a potential ending to the campaign. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, my assumption is that, you know, you, depending on how things go early on in the campaign, there'll be, um, there'll be changes made depending on whether or not you have equal, equal conviction and doubt is my assumption. But, um, yeah, I think other than that, yeah, like you said, Nathan, the, the locations are kind of bland, so I would expect maybe new locations. And yeah, other than that, I think that scenario is pretty solid. Yeah, I, I, I like the I like agree. the locations themselves, like you know the uh, the flavor of the locations, the artwork and stuff. But you're right, the, the mechanics within the locations are not. And um, one one path 
makes this scenario way easier than the other path. Uh, I can't remember if it was conviction or doubt, but one of them way, like way, way easier. Um, and so that's one thing. I mean, and I guess that's okay uh, if if it's balanced out throughout the rest of the campaign. Um, I think I think the only other thing that I would change, and it's got nothing to do with the game mechanics or flavor. Spoilers. Continue. No, it's not a spoiler thing. It's just <laughs> <laughs> you're being overly careful, Nathan. So I think it's just that new players. I'm always concerned about new players, and I think that I can tell. <laughs> for some reason, I'm always because it happened to me, right? So I'm like, oh, I feel bad, like someone playing new, and they'll play through the whole scenario and realize they played it the wrong way, because it's very easy to mix it up, mix up the acts and agendas whether you're doing if you have more conviction or doubt and you play the completely the wrong agenda but with the mechanics from the other act and oh wow maybe there's a way to fix that so you so it's not so easy to make the mistake like now spoiler alert so one of them you have to it's beneficial to add doom and one of them it's it's not beneficial to add doom but sure. the mechanic of how the um how the organist acts is sometimes mixed up so like someone may play the organist in a way where he was in a way that he was supposed to act during the other agenda or the other act i forget which one it is um and i've seen it i've seen this mistake done online when people play the scenario and i've made the mistake myself so it's something that definitely can happen very easily and i think maybe if it were a little more clear or a little bit better defined so it's not as easy to make that mistake. Yeah, and to... Sorry, just to kind of go on to your point about the scenario uh, difficulty variating wildly depending on your choices. Um, yeah, I would like to... It feels like doubt is just the better or latter, rather easier way to go throughout the course hmm, of the I don't campaign. know about that. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to show you doubt in its raw form. The... Uh, but very meta. I mean, you, I guess you don't. But yeah, I, is there a point in where conviction actually helps you? You feel better. I Should we ask like, the Catholic Church? I mean, I don't you know. You feel better. You feel better because <laughs> you were, you know, solid in your in your convictions. Yeah, I I mean, like purely mechanically speaking, from the scenarios, is there? I can't remember. Is there? And I just recently replayed it too. I should know. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, so I think maybe maybe something to do with the conviction in one of the later scenarios would be neat. Um, but yeah, I think Phantom of Truth overall is probably one of the more solid scenarios of the campaign. Um, and then moving into Pallid Mask, Nathan, um, what did you have for a suggestion for that? Actually, spoiler, so official spoiler for me. Um, I don't really have anything else I would want to change on an individual level, but I would love to have this ending for the whole thing. You you wake up, you're on the shores of, I think, is it Hali? The waters of Hali? And you see the double suns up above. And that would be awesome if you can get to the result where it's like you stand up and you're like, sweet. And out of your bag, you pull like SPF 300 and like some cool shades and you put on this basically pallid mask and you lounge on the beach because that was your whole point was to come catch some groovy tans 
under the double sun. That would be the coolest ending. I always just thought that was the, like the bad ending of Black Star's Rise. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, it could be. Yeah. Like, you know, you just get sucked up into the vortex and then you just hang out with your shades on the shore and... Just, you know. okay, let's do this. Oh, speaking of the shores of Holi, uh, totally off topic, but uh, Pelgrane Press put out a article, or I, I say article, but it was really just like a blog post of Robin D. Laws sharing cocktails of, um, they were cocktail recipes inspired by the King in Yellow, so he wrote like, it was like a pineapple soda and bourbon drink that he called like the shores of Hali. And there's a couple of other good ones. I'll link it in the show notes. It's really funny. Oh, I gotta check that out. That reminds me of all the drinks they made at Arkham and Flames. The Mark and Rita. Mark and Rita, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't sex on the beach. It was elder thing on the beach or something. But yeah, we'll have to use some of those recipes if I go again for like maybe drawn or uh, Arkham and Flames 7 or what have you. The Revenge. (laughs) Um, but yeah, what, um, are there any other things that you guys like to see in Pallet Mask? Um, I'd like to see a new version of the, is it the first agenda? Spoiler. I'm going to doing that one for you, Nathan. Uh, the I caught that. first, the first agenda in the Pallet Mask flips to an enemy. So I think it'd be neat to see a different version of that enemy. But yeah, I think other than that. That's like my, I think my second favorite scenario overall in that entire cycle. Um, I love the way the catacombs deck and the locations work in that scenario. It really, really gives you the feel of running around in underground France and yeah, oh God, it's just it's so it's good. So good. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you say that about the, uh, the enemy and sorry for the whining, I got someone in the basement crying. Um, so, oh, that's morbid. <laughs> well, you know the in basement. Uh, we always have guests staying there. So uh, the the guy, the ghost, or what is it, the spirit? It's either a ghost or apparition, spirit. body, something. Like that. Something. Well, when it comes after, yeah, yeah, when it comes after you, um, you can kill it, right? I think it's just yes. a regular like creature with a, with victory points. But I think um, yeah, I think it has five health and. Yeah, it gives you it gives you two victory points yeah. when you kill it. I remember that much. But, but I remember when they issued like the designer challenge, and they made that that particular scenario where you couldn't kill it. Where if you kill it, it just exhausts for an extra round, and then it keeps coming after you no matter what. That would be a really cool. I I think they thought about it afterwards, and and that's why they issued that designer challenge. Like, huh? Wouldn't it, wouldn't this scenario be much cooler? This thing never never stopped coming after you. And then they, they kind of designed another creature similar to that, spoiler alert, in the Circle Undone with the... Yeah, I was just going to say, that's basically the Spectral Watcher. Yeah, the Spectral Watcher. So it was like yeah. a precursor when they issued that designer challenge, and they tested it on that scenario, and then they're like, you know what, we're doing it on this other campaign completely. So I think it'd be really cool if they had that same mechanic for this creature, and maybe make up for those victory points in a different way. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe put a couple more victory points on some of the catacombs locations, or um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's definitely a lot that you could do with that scenario and still have it be really interesting. 
Um, now that I mention it, did any of you try those designer challenges? No. No. Oh my god. <laughs> I tried recording one. I tried running uh, that scenario with skids with the designer challenge set up. And in like four rounds, I was done. Maybe less. It might have been three rounds. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't post this. This is just too brutal. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what the ultimatums essentially are, yeah. now, right? Those are essentially like the designer challenges. So I guess I guess I'm a liar. So I have I have tried those. Uh, that's true. Your solo Rita, Rita campaign. <laughs> that's yeah. solo Rita no uh, XP. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god, that's so. Brutal. It wasn't bad though. You did fairly well in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I still I still have yet to edit Essex County, so I will eventually get that up on the channel. But <laughs> oh god, that's. That campaign was <laughs> fucking brutal. Uh, uh, like, terrible flashback memories of that. Um, yeah, so other scenario changes. Uh, what's after Palak Mask? Is it Black Stars Rise? Black Stars, Black Stars Rise, Rise, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of this scenario. Um, it's my new favorite. Understatement. <laughs> Just because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean... Maybe incorporating Tide Pods. Now, overall, I thought I thought it had some good momentum building. Um, I liked how it had several different things you had to accomplish. I I didn't mind it. I I really like it, but you have to know the scenario to to play it like to win. It is it. disorienting. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, and and it's kind of random with the acts and agendas. Um, and if you pull a certain one, like you, you have to know it inside and out so that you know what you need to do in order to win it, or you're just going to be done for. Uh, so it is, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely, really, really tough. But in my opinion, I think it's it works great as a final scenario if you if you lose, and then if you are able to somehow make it through, it's like kind of a, a nice reward to be able to experience Carcosa and it's entire glory you know i don't know yeah that i do appreciate i do agree with that but um kind of to harken back to your point about um a phantom of truth was that you know how that scenario is kind of weirdly convoluted to set up i i have that problem with black stars rise yeah Um, like i've i've the first time i played through it i set it up wrong and then i felt like an idiot so so i replayed it again and yeah, it that my biggest gripe with that scenario is that um, you end up kind of just guessing, or at least that's the way I always end up kind of playing the scenario is that you kind of just like pick an agenda and hope that's the one you're supposed to advance. But maybe so maybe I'm going about it wrong. But um, no, you're you're not. You're the right way is, in my opinion, is to do it that way. Kind of flip one, but once you get that second agenda then you kind of know at least which direction it's headed i if i can remember it's been a while but there's one yeah there's one point where you know and then you have you do have to kind of backtrack but you have to know inside and out what you need to do from that point in order to nail it but yeah it's it is kind of uh one of those scenarios that you have to know it inside out and and game it you have to basically meta (laughs) the entire way to to be able to succeed yeah and that's not that that's necessarily a bad thing but i think i think that kind of makes this scenario at least in my eyes suffer a little bit um 
Right, because narratively, think this... you're not going to really... Unless you get lucky or something, right? You're not going to... Yeah. Yeah, and and that too, I think, like, narratively, you kind of already know the gist of the scenario before you even go into it. So, um, there was kind of, at least for me, there was kind of that bit of initial emotional dissonance um, where you're kind of not really not invested, but it feels like, uh, I guess you're kind of just going through the motions. At least that's kind of how it feels sometimes to me. Um, but yeah, I'm also not the biggest fan of that scenario. I actually prefer Echoes over Black Star's Rise, so. Really? That's just me. Huh. Yeah. Really? Really? Wow. Really? Yeah, just a, just a personal thing. I don't know. Hmm. You're usually so good like, making decisions and, and, and with your taste, you're usually pretty on point, but. You're, you're yeah, just it's just, you're wrong on this one. Like his, yeah, he's just pecking away at you. because well, he, he chose for his private island, uh, which investigator and scenario. He said Carolyn and um, House Always Wins, and he was right about that one. He got that one right. But this one he got wrong. Well, I mean, that's the only logical choice, yeah. so what, what else was I supposed True. to say? <laughs> huh. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not a foolish cat of Ulthar, that's for sure, so... <laughs> Yeah, I went there. Oh, man. Bot- <laughs> you know, a botanist and her cat, man. Don't mess with them. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. And, um... But, yeah, so... I think that scenario could use some work. But that's just me personally. Well, you're gonna get your, uh... The answer to your cultist chanting soon. I guess so. And then, moving on into the final scenario of uh, the Path to Carcosa... Uh, Dim Carcosa, I would likely expect to see maybe a new Haster enemy. And I'm sorry, who? Oh, Don't right, do it. Uh, the unspeakable one. <laughs> wow, really? Hold on. Yeah, sorry, I gotta take we a We just more. lost a Patreon. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Suffer one mental trauma, and all right. Record that shit. Yeah, I got that in my campaign log now, so. Um, but, yeah, so I would expect to see a new King and Yellow enemy... Uh, and then new act or agenda decks to correspond with the new potential story path. Um, other than that, I think this scenario is pretty solid. Yep. It's really cool. What do you guys think? I, I, I think it, it doesn't really need too much to change. I, I wouldn't mind another boss enemy version, but... Nice. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'd... You could have alternate different forms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's no Black Star's Rise, but it's pretty good. <laughs> Man, we should play Black Star's Rise with, like, telescopic sight and... Oh, uh, no. What's your other cards <laughs> <that> man needs? <laughs> I'll, play, I'll play my Kukri deck. <laughs> alchemical transmutations, yep. Lots, lots Ooh, but speaking things. of alchemical transmutation, that's actually one of the confirmed upgrade cards for this expansion, so... Uh, yeah, I know everyone's super excited about that. Um, what, what? I know um, Man from Lang specifically said he wanted that puppy to get upgraded. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually emailed Matt personally and was like, please upgrade this card, I need this. I play it in every Mystic deck. <laughs> <laughs> Does he talk like, um, a, like a robot? <laughs> yes. I mean, no. Only, only but... when he talks to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Only when he talks to Matt and he's like typing away, 
you know, off camera to himself. <laughs> um, but on the subject of player cards, what player cards would you guys like to see upgrades for in this expansion? Well, ooh, you know, I haven't not. That's one thing I don't think about is is what they do to upgrade the player cards. I just get it because I want to like experience more content, and in this case. I really want to experience more content. Player cards, uh, I don't really care about. No, no offense to every single person that does. <laughs> um, yeah. Go ahead. To kind of go on that point, Nathan, um, did you feel that way about Return to Dunwich too? Yeah, I really yeah. did. I, I just don't. I, I love all the content. I'm one of those silver lining people. Uh, I love everything that's put out. I'll play everything that's put out. I'll buy everything that's put out. But when it comes to the Return to sets, I want to go back and enjoy the, the experience again in a slightly different light with my friends. Hmm. You know what card I'd like to see an upgrade for? Lola Hayes, the actress. Huh. Yeah. I'd, I'd like wow. to see... Me, I, I'm neutral on that issue. Oh, <laughs> good one. Uh, I'd, wow. I'd like to see her fixed. I feel really bad that She's got some such a cool story, and she's not played so. I mean, we have we have a couple of people on YouTube that have been playing Lola, uh, more specifically. Um, you say fixed? Are you talking about because of her weakness? Well, her weakness is a definitely a huge part of it, but I think it's more than that. It's her her card pool at, combined with the timing window situation and the role switching. It just makes her really, really difficult to. You don't feel like she's fully developed yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. She feels like a like a broken like different parts that don't fit together. You know, you have other other investigators that have card pulls from many different factions and they work in in a seamless manner. But she just feels like three different decks trying to fight against each other, and her weakness is definitely a big part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I know there's there's definitely people out there that swear by her, and there's there's someone on YouTube, and um, the channel now has escaped me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a nice plug when I find it. Uh, it's I think it's Matt is his name, Metastrophic. Um, yeah, yeah, he's on Discord and he's in the League of Extraordinary Investigators too. So I can't remember what yeah, his he... channel's called, Metastrophic's channel. Um, I'll definitely link it in the show notes, however. Um, but he's been playing with... Lo he played through the Forgotten Age, and he's been playing... Um, or he played through Carcosa, and he's playing through Forgotten Age with her. And he's doing really well. So some people have made her work, but I think that's the exception more than the... What's... Yeah, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to bring that up, because not a lot of people jump, you know, chomp at the bit and be like, I'm bringing a Lola deck to, you know, Arkham Knights or Gen Con. But... Um, what what's the main strategy dealing with her weakness? Are you, do you try to just put out assets that aren't going to get swept away? Is that like neutral assets? Is that basically one of the keys with it? I don't know, and that's the thing. Like I, I don't mean to sound mean about it, but I I don't deal with it because I don't even play her, and it's because you know of of all the issues that she has. So I don't know how to deal with her with her weakness, but I. From what I've read online, from the commu different communities online uh, talking about her, everyone seems to agree that the weakness is just something that you constantly have to think about whenever you throw a card into the deck. And 
it just makes it so difficult, you know, to build for her. Because you're constantly thinking, sure. is that next card going to be that weakness? And there's more than one copy of it, which makes it even worse. So well, I think it'd be like a crisis of identity. Oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think we should all challenge ourselves to, to build a broken, um, broken, awesome Lola deck for next time. Um, okay. I'll certainly try that. I've honestly, I've only played Lola like once or twice Same here. Think, and I, so yeah. homework, homework for anybody listening and for everybody in channel. Uh, let's all build amazing Lola decks so we can talk the talk. And watch Man From Lang's and walk Timing walk. Windows videos because it'll help you play Lola. There you <laughs> go. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I had to watch his videos just to like understand how Lola yes. even worked. <laughs> Because I was, I was, I was just so confused. I was like, "Why do I want to like switch roles?" I'm very, very confused. And like, when do I get to do this? And yeah, she's there's like not only are there a lot of like weird rules things with Lola that you have to get to grips with, but like the, the strange deck building and yeah. there's just a lot of like strange hoops that you have to jump through. That just, well, I had made like, a Lola deck for uh, Brian Sandberg. Private Brian, Brian David Sandberg out of Canada. He did a. You can only use knives to fight stuff running through the gathering. And I built a Lola Haze deck with that. And I did fine. I killed the end. Oh, spoiler. I killed the end boss of the gathering. So I don't want to give that away. But, um, but no, I had fun with it. I didn't have any problems with the timing or with the deck. It wasn't an amazing deck, but. I'll have to. I'll stick. Still check out Man from Link's video though. It's a, it's really good. But, but on the subject of Lola, what would you do to change her if you could, face? I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a tough part. I mean, you'd have to start with the weakness, because. So would you would you just make replacement, uh, replacement signatures and weaknesses? It'd be a start, think... but it, it still wouldn't fix that feeling of just constantly, you know, having to switch. I don't know. I just I just don't find it fun to constantly having to switch roles and you know constantly worry about that. Like it's already it's already hard enough. <laughs> so I I mean definitely I think it'll go a long way. But I her issues go a little deeper than that in my opinion. I think her her deck building requirements are in, are interesting, but they're hindered by the fact that you can only play certain cards when you're a certain role. And the timing windows prevent you from maximizing the benefits of some of these cards. So having... To, yeah, that's true. So it's it's just rough, you know. You'd have to kind of rebuild her from scratch, I think. I don't know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, other than Lola, what are some what are some other player cards you'd like to see upgrades to? Mm, upgrades to... Um, let's see... I think Let Me Handle This could have a nice, cool little upgrade where you get some additional benefits for taking someone else's uh, treachery. That would be interesting in a garden deck. Especially for someone like uh, Diana. You know, maybe if, it'll ca if it cancels something completely, uh, Diana could really benefit from it. Um, Maybe uh, lockpicks is, is fantastic, but I'd really be interested in a higher level lockpicks just to see what they come up with. Um, Ooh, yeah, higher level lockpicks would be sweet. I don't. What do you even do to that card? <laughs> that card is already so, so good. good. 
So, so wait a second. I know you're focused on the player cards from Return to the Path to Carcosa. Mm-hmm. But let's theoretically say that we were talking about the player cards from Forgotten Age. The Return to Forgotten Age? Mm. That's where I'll have an answer. I'm just saying. You'll have to wait for it. Maybe we can talk about that. All right. Well, next year, Nathan, I'll definitely be... Okay, I'll just say it. Blowgun. Yeah. There should have been a goddamn blowgun. Yeah, the Etsley Guardians. And then you get your hands on it and start going around young Sherlock Holmes and the crap out of people. When they they introduce vehicles into the game, we can also have a raft vehicle on that one. That'd be pretty cool. A raft? Yeah, a little raft. Bamboo raft. Whatever floats your boat. I think that'd be fun. Could float around the Lake of Holly in it. Um... I think Astro Travel could also use uh, Astro Travel could use a uh, an upgrade because that yeah. that card has potential. It does have a potential because if it's in your hand, you're not screwed and stuck in one space. I like that card. I like it too. It's just it's a little expensive, and I understand why it is expensive. But you have other options in Seeker that are. What about if you can't play Seeker cards? You can't, I know, but I'm saying, like, Seekers seem to have a little bit more mobility where a Mystic can show them up one time. In fact, even a, even a Rogue um, with Elusive can do something similar. Sure, it's a reactive card versus this one that's a proactive card, but Elusive is, you know, almost just as good and better in a way, you know? so I th- But if you can't take Elusive... And you can't take secret cards. It's a really good get the hell out of dodge card. Is that's what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I, j- I just feel like for the cost of three and having to discard something if you if you pull a bad symbol, like that's too punishing and too expensive for what it does. I I mean I I agree with you, Nathan. I like using this. Card. No, it doesn't sound like you do, Nate. <laughs> I I can actually I get, a, can I get a wrong. I've been in. I've been in. Oh, maybe you played it. Arkham Horror, the card game. I've been in situations where if you couldn't get from point A to point B, you're dead, or the scenario ended and you had trauma. Having the escape route, I'm going to argue, is always worth having one of those somewhere in your deck for the chance of getting it. Totally, totally. But that's why I'm saying they could make it even better with an upgraded version. I I use this card. This this saved Carolyn's life in my run through Carcosa. Um, because I was able to get to the exit just by playing this card. So I totally get that it's really helpful. Uh, but maybe an upgraded version could see that negative effect go away and a lower resource cost just to make it a little bit more playable. Because Oh, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that you should agree with me when I tell you that it's worth playing. Now, that said, an upgraded version would be fantastic. That's a great idea. Or even just putting the word fast on it. Yes. That would be. I think that alone would yeah, be. Yeah, I think even just doing that alone makes that card sick. Fast, maybe better. add another pip to it. Shit. So, something maybe. Um, I didn't even but, think about that, but the fast keyword that would be fantastic for this card. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would totally. So be- uh, yeah, it's like you said, Nathan. I think this card's pretty good, and I've had a similar experience to you, Vase, where I played this in a. Uh, I'm trying to remember what Mystic it was. I think I was playing a catchy through TFA, and yeah, running through Doom of Edsley, that that card saved her bacon. Once you get to the that end of the scenario, scenario and you have to backtrack, 
so that was super helpful. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a great choice for an upgraded player card. Um, an upgrade that I would like to see are the the shovel and the lantern. The shovel. The, I um, could dig it. <laughs> if the shovel did plus one damage, like maybe for three experience or something, that card mm. would be super. You super mean the insane the good. shovel chete? <laughs> The Shovchete. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, some other some other interesting cards that I think um, in the know an upgraded in the know would be interesting. Oh yeah. Maybe turn turn that into like a exhaust fast action for more experience. That'd be kind of neat. Um, yeah. Just, there's definitely a lot of interesting options. Carcosa had a lot of great player cards. They did, man. That that set has amazing cards. Staples. They're really good. But I agree with your shovels. Your shovel and your lantern. Your shovels. Yeah. <laughs> La pala. Um, yeah. The, the, your knuckle duster is another knuckle duster. interesting upgrade. Didn't they come out with an upgrade for that or no? What am I thinking about? Um... I think... Uh, I don't think they did. Well, the the really fun thing about, like, let's say, upgrading, uh, upgrading the Knuckle Duster is just hearing someone casually go, oh, yeah, Knuckle Duster, obvious, put in a deck. And then someone would be like, what? what? <laughs> and Because they don't realize you're talking about the upgraded better version. That'll just mess them up. Well, if you're Tony Morgan, it's kind of your only weapon option. <clears throat> it's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah I'm excited for Tony Morgan Me too. too. But that is not relevant to the topic of the conversation, <laughs> though. Um, but yeah, is there any other potential upgrades you guys would like to see to the player cards in Carcosa before we move on to the taboo list? Uh, nope, I'm I don't good. think so. Alrighty. So, moving on to the taboo list. Then, what are you guys' thoughts about the taboo list so far? Have you guys um? played around with it a lot i've had a chance to play through quite a few games with roland and jenny those are the two main investigators that i tried changes with as they felt um or at least in my opinion they felt like two investigators that were largely impacted by the changes um that and probably a lot of seekers but what do you what are your guys' initial thoughts base well um so far i Pretty much the... I didn't play so much with the mutated list. I played around with the taboo list where I'm just not even like... I mean, the, the cards are so expensive XP-wise, I'm not even throwing in into certain decks. Like, the Seeker, the seeker uh, Higher Education, I'm just not even using Seekers with it. And honestly, I don't miss it. It's, it's fine, you know? Uh, now, the mutated list, I am interested in trying out, but I haven't had a chance. So, like, having... Mutated list meaning like um, Mylon Christopher only being able to be used once per round and he exhausts. I haven't been able to play with that yet. I haven't had the chance. But uh, so far with the taboo list, uh, I, I haven't missed it. I haven't missed any of the things that they've you know made changes to. Nate, what do you think? Um, so I've tried all of the variations of the taboo list. And yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with Vase. Um, a lot of the stuff that's changed in experience, I just don't buy anymore. Like, Machete is just not something I include that. in my Guardian decks anymore. Yes, sorry. Machete. Thank you. 
I do not include the machete in my decks anymore. Um, Who is it yeah, that yeah. has the machete? Was it Pepe? <laughs> Pepe. Pepe from Archivos de Arkham. Hold on a second. I'm going to put him in a future adventure that I make. He's just going to be a badass coming out of the shadows with the machete. And I'm like... Yeah, this is this is the come up and there you go. Or we can have him on as a special guest. He is a podcaster and he speaks a, a ton of languages. So that's what? fantastic. Yeah. All right, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right, we'll make that happen. We'll, I can we'll try have to him make on. It happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, Nathan, yeah, um, elusive is kind of the big, the big hit for me. I love that card, and not playing with it anymore has been sad, but. Um, yeah, other than that, um, the Dr. Mylan Christopher change in solo play largely feels, um, not useless, but, um, you, you don't really notice it because you're usually only investigating one clue per location mm-hmm. and it usually takes you a whole turn between moving and investigating, so... Well, when you look at other allies, they're like, when you use this ability, tap. So it's like, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the other mutated changes are, um, you know, kind of kind of par for the course. Like, quick thinking is, you know, you usually only have one to commit. And yeah. Delve Too Deep is not a card I play a lot of anyway, yeah. so... Yeah, I'm not really trying to, like... Oh, hold on play, a second. Play eight Delve Too Deeps with, you know, my four-player game, so... Oh, yeah. No, I was looking at the art on Delve Too Deep earlier today. Do you notice that there's just torches just wildly blazing a fire connected to rows of books? Oh, that art sides? is super creepy. That art is horrifying. <laughs> it's like... It's like... I, I think that scares me as a bibliophile more than the giant leech that's about to suck your brain out, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, the only, the only mutated change that I'm personally sad about is Sleight of Hand, just because mm. I really like to play, uh, Leo Anderson Sleight of Hand yeah. champions, but, but other than that, um, yeah, I feel like the changes are, they're fine. Um, um they definitely force you to think about certain, certain deck choices, I think. Definitely. You mentioned Mylon Christopher, um. Just to clarify, in solo, definitely I agree. It's it's not as impactful because you're investigating and moving, and that's pretty much your turn. So you don't, like you said, you don't notice it that much. But in multiplayer, I think is where you really notice that that mutation, because sometimes as a seeker, you do have to sit in a location, investigating the entire turn and do, doing the investigate action three, four times a turn or whatever, however many actions you get. Um, so I think in multiplayer, it's far, it, it would be far more noticeable. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, that and the changes to Rex Murphy, too, are obviously Clearly, yeah. more <laughs> geared towards multiplayer. But, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed the changes. Um, the, the card I end up replacing Machete with most often has actually been the Enchanted Blade. I've been really high on that card so overall. Good. Yeah. So um, good. And you can enrapture. So if you're using um, uh, Diana or Carolyn. Kate Winthrop. Yeah, Kate Winthrop. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can investigate and commit enraptured and put another charge on that blade. There's also the botanist. The botanist yep. can do it. Um, what about you, Nathan? What do you think about the... Uh... Um, so I guess 
I don't try to ever have two completely different minds on something. I tend to like to make a decision and just stick with it. But with this, part of me totally agrees with what you said. It's cool that people, it's getting people to think outside of the box so that a group of people doesn't just insta-go machete or elusive or whatever the case may be. Um, but at the same time, like I was listening to people talk about getting ready for Gen Con. And they said, you know, I made this deck. It's taboo compliant, uh, blah, blah, blah. Don't worry. This is taboo compliant. So it really, even though when the first the deck first came out, the, the, the taboo list, it's like, don't worry. You can ignore this list if you want or you can do it. If you show up and play with a group of people, you're going to look like someone who just needs the power creep or someone who refuses to change or is greedy if your deck is not taboo compliant. Like, I can't imagine showing up at Arkham Knights or Gen Con and saying, hey, I just made my deck for fun, and I didn't really min-max, but it does have some cards that are on the taboo list. I just didn't care. I can't see people being like, oh, that's cool, because they've had to sacrifice and make their decks taboo compliant. So, in a very subtle yet not subtle way, it is forcing everybody to use the deck. Uh, unless, of course, people play solo in the middle of nowhere, then it doesn't matter. Me, personally, I don't look or try to remember the taboo list that much. Um, I just play the game casually. And trust me, I never feel like I'm doing great. I never feel like I'm blowing things out of the water. Matter of fact, I just played a couple adventures last week in the Forgotten Age that really uh, made me doubt my ability to both play the game and build a deck. So, that said, that, that said... Uh, I know that, that said, feeling I, all too well, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, that said, <laughs> I, I get why they did it. And I think that it's a smart move overall. I'm not trying to be too pissy about it. It's just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It does kind of force people to use it, even if they didn't plan on it. The, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a similar feeling um, initially to that too, Nathan. Um, especially when playing in multiplayer scenarios, like you said. Um, or when you're playing with newer players, for instance, and you don't really want to, like you know, have to pull out a PDF document and be like, well, this card doesn't really work the way that... Hold on there, hotshot. Is that yeah. elusive? No. Yeah. No, take it out. Yeah. So, so I do agree that it can create those kind of awkward situations, but I think that for players more invested in the game, it's definitely a great way to challenge yourself to yeah. play yeah. with different options. Like the designer challenges and stuff. Yep. And... Um, you know, it's very obvious that, you know, Matt made that, um, the taboo list with all of that in mind. So yeah. it's really neat to kind of see, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to see, to see where this list will go in the future. Are there cards, uh, that you guys think could potentially be added to the limited or mutated list or potentially even the forbidden list? And if so, mm -hmm. what do you think? Well, uh, I'm just going to draw a little bit of thinness <laughs> and uh, let you guess. It's pretty much the only one I was thinking. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I would agree with that too. I don't think it'll go on the forbidden list. I think they'll just mutate it. Um, and, and in case people didn't catch the, the, the very subtle, not subtle joke, drawing thin is the card we're talking about, the this, this survivor card. Oh, uh, Nathan, I don't know what that card does. Do you, uh, do you happen to... Uh, uh, base knows what hand. it does. Go ahead, Base. Let me pull it up verbatim. See, now, now you guys are putting that on I was in the middle of doing it. <laughs> just in case. Um, but while I pull it up, uh, I do think oh, that... Oh, hold on. I got it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. 
So as I said, I already memorized it. I was just joking about looking it up. Cough. <laughs> sure. uh, um, when you initiate a skill test, exhaust drawing thin. Increase the difficulty of this test by two. Gain two resources or draw one card. So I think all the decisions that they make when it comes to the taboo, and they, they don't do them lightly. I think that they really do a lot of test playing and, and they really think hard about the impact it's going to have on people's games. So this card, it, it seems pretty clear to me that they, they worded it in a certain way and they intended for it to work a different way. That's really what it boils oh, down to. Well, flesh that out a bit more. Well, what do you mean by uh, that? Based, yeah. based on the verbatim rules as written, when you initiate a skill test, you exhaust the card, you increase the difficulty of the test, and you gain two resources and draw one card. It doesn't say you have to pass the test. It doesn't say that you have to, you know, anything. I mean, it's basically you can fail the test and still gain two resources and draw a card. You can continue to do that. You keep saying and. It is or. Um, oh, sorry, or, uh, yeah, but but you can play two. You can play two of them and just keep doing that, and then you can yeah. you can purposely fail a test, play take heart, which lets you benefit from failing a test, and uh, really just rack up, <laughs> rack up on stuff. So clearly, they meant for this to be something where you have to succeed in order to do that. I, I'm thinking. Then again, it is Survivor, so I could be wrong. It could also be limit one per investigator, kind of like Lone Wolf yeah, or yeah. Um, something along those lines. But yeah, I think I think the community at large has pinned this as a potential target, um, and I would totally agree. I mean, this card is just insane. Um, I've recently been including it in my Jenny money bags builds because you can yeah it's so good i play that and crack the case and milan christopher and you just have money for days it's so ridiculous (laughs) yeah it's 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 impossible because it doesn't take an action that's the worst part like you could right yeah okay i'm gonna and it costs nothing to play so it 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 doesn't cost any resources to play you know there there is an interesting article on arkham db or, or comments and someone basically said there's a lot of hype about this card but after playing this card several times, its limitations became apparent. And they talk about expending actions to trigger this is a form of action economy because you've then got to do that test for whatever you're going to do. Mm. So it is going to suck down one action. Uh, you want to trigger this card on test, you don't have to expend actions to initiate, namely skill test. But this means you can't drawing, you can't trigger drawing thin at will. You have to hope for the right treacher or have the right or track shoes, etc. Um, it says, as any card that deals benefits over time, the efficiency of drawing thin diminishes the later you get to play it, which obviously makes sense. That's for a lot of cards. And then it says, I have to also emphasize the price of failure in this game, uh, the effects of the infamous BS token, cultist, etc., etc. So, I mean, at least this person fleshed out a, a well-crafted response about it. So I think that'll be interesting to see long-term and find out what happens with the list. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, are there any other cards that you guys think might potentially hit the taboo list? Um, this is the only one I can think of, and I do want to say one other thing. Based on this, on the timing here on this card, couldn't you have two on the board... When you initiate a skill test, you exhaust it, and 
it doesn't say you have to complete the test to gain the two resources to draw the card. So it says when you initiate the test. You, so you can draw a card before resolving the test. You can, you can gain two resources before resolving the test. Is that correct? Because once the difficulty is increased, you can still commit cards. So you can draw a card and commit it. You can pump the two re yep. pump the two resources into a pump card, you know, uh, like fire axe yeah. or scrapper exactly. or something like that. So you can you can have zero resources in play, have two of these out, and fire axe people with a plus, you know, four to hit every time. Um, I mean, there's and you increase the difficulty by two. I mean, that's that that does uh, give it a limitation, but you can still benefit from it one way or another, you know, like there's, I, I don't know. I, I think that there, it's a legitimate statement to say that it does have its limitations. It certainly does, but quick thinking has its limitations. Myron Christopher has his limitations. I feel like this one machete has its limitations. Right. I feel like this, the limitations don't balance the card. I'm sorry, which card? Machete. Machete. Okay. Yes. Thank you. In harmony too. Um, yeah, I just think the limitations don't balance it enough for what the benefits are. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Man from Lang actually pointed out in his initial review of the card, too, that this card becomes absolutely insane when you're also just straight up passing those skill tests. So when you're, when you're committing, when you're spending an action, gaining two resources or drawing a card, and still passing the test, that, that's when this card just becomes absolutely just bananas. Um, yeah, I had, I had situations where I put this card in my Jenny deck and then you, you know, you investigate like a two shroud location with lock picks and you, you tap drawing thin, make it a four and you're still likely to pass anyway. So, you know, you're just getting extra benefit for very little, uh, very little risk a lot of the time. So... And and at the end of the day, it still has a it has an icon on it too, so it it can at least commit to a skill test, unlike a like tarot card or something like that. So yeah, I think yeah, I think drawing thin is definitely a potential um, card to see that on the taboo list. Another card I could potentially see too is um oh god the name escapes me currently, but the um. Let me uh, look it up real quick, and I'll get back to you. Describe it. Is it the cooking knife thing? Um, no. The meat cleaver? Yeah, no. I, I... Meat cleaver is also very good. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I don't think the meat cleaver is overpowered. No, hold on. Let, let me find it. It depends if, like, Steven Seagal from Under Siege had it. Yeah, I mean, he comes you, out he of that He gave cake. it to the cook? Doesn't he come out of the cake, or it's a girl that comes out of the no, cake? No, of course he doesn't come out of the cake. I, for oh some reason, God. I remember Steven Seagal coming out of the cake in a kimono. Was this a dream I had? <laughs> this sounds like a dream. Oh, I, I, I can't on. remember. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm thinking uh, episode title. <laughs> Steven Seagal coming out of the cake in a kimono. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That and I'm never gonna look at you the same. <laughs> yeah, I have weird dreams. It's uh, weird. I don't know. Yeah, um, the 
sorry, to go back on the card, um, Will There Survive, the card that lets you return um, skill cards back to your hand or survivor cards back to your hand. Are you, um, are you talking about Silas Marsh? No. Um, the uh, It's the survivor event. Um, I think it's True Instinct or something like that. Oh, the... Are you saying true survivor returned three innate skills from your discard pile? Yes, yes, Ooh. yes. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, of why didn't you just oh, say innate? Why didn't you say true survivor? The first? God, you make it so difficult. I'm sorry. It's like black stars rise all over again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good card. It's a really good card. But here's my argument. Or the other one that makes it so you can't, um, you don't reveal skill tokens or chaos chaos tokens. Oh, well, to survive. Yes, yes. I like that one. I used that to close out a, an entire scenario the other day. I played it, and someone's like, ah, but what happens if you draw? I'm like, I won't draw anything. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, this this is a really good card, but I think three cost. Uh, I mean, before drawing thin, I would say in a class that's generally poor, but not anymore. Um three cost, three experience is a costly investment for this card. It is very good, yes. But what other three experience point cards do we have to compare it to? Um, I think overall it's it's a it's a really strong card, it's a really good card, but at three experience points it's you know, I think I think it uh, it's good. I don't I don't know that. It, yeah. Like what what would I mean, you do? What would you do to it? Like what what changes would you make to it? Um, not necessarily like make changes to it like as of right now, but I think those are potential cards to keep an eye on, as oh, they're kind of. Oh, I see. They they kind of tend to be the cards that a lot of degenerate combos seem to be based around. Someone. It's kind of like it the out. same philosophy that they um, that they changed um. Like ace in the hole and quick thinking and just just stuff like that that just enables a lot of degenerate things. Um, it's just more I could see them potentially making changes just based on those aspects rather than them being like actually too powerful. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. That the future can bring us some card that's an innate card that's just gonna make the, turn this into a ridiculous it. Speaking of which, is this one? No, it's not. I was thinking, there, someone made a Jenny co a combo deck that's an infinite combo deck, but this card can't be part of that. I thought it might be, but it's not. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think I think you're right. It's definitely something they have to keep an eye on. It does have those potential. Maybe if it was... Maybe if it was removed from the game, remove this card from the game. Yeah, like, I, I could see them potentially just adding, like, small clauses like that to cards like that just to remove the potential from you, like, comboing them out in your discard pile. Yeah, because so. cards have potential for abuse, like Seal of the Elder Sign, Quantum Flux. Those you all you remove from the game when you play them, so why, would, why wouldn't... You know, I, th I think that could fix something like this, right? Potentially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really the only change you'd have to make. So, so, so maybe that's something that we could potentially see. But um, yeah, other than that, I I think the list is pretty solid. 
overall, other than my slight gripe with sleight of hand, but I just take that off the mutated list <laughs> for my own personal benefit. <laughs> um, but yeah, 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 so now that we've shared our thoughts with the taboo list, Nathan, uh, what's the community spotlight for this for this episode? Now you say community spotlight. Is that trying to pigeonhole me into something other than a fan-made scenario? No, it's actually trying to broaden you into more things than just fan. All right, enough with your talk. I have an answer. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know I do like the concept of calling it community spotlight because there are a lot of great um, people out there making not just scenarios, but they're making great, you know, bags, play mats, acrylic tokens, etc. Custom um, investigators. Custom investigators. Oh yeah. So we will definitely have to, to broaden our scope going forward, but today I do have an adventure. We'll lay it on us, Nathan. What is Done. it? Done. So I actually did this one this last Christmas, and I did a video and put it up on the, the Facebook channel, but it is called The Festival. Has anyone done this one? No, I was really I, curious. I actually uh, read about this one last Christmas. And when you gave me your heart? You know, the very next, <laughs> the very next day, I swear to God, I gave it away. But uh, this year, wham! I'm gonna oh. give it to uh, someone special. <laughs> That's what you think. No, the funny <laughs> thing is, I lived in Japan for six years, and you'd walk around and go shopping Christmas Day and not know it's Christmas because there's no snow. Well, at least where I was, there was no snow. There's no decorations. But if it was Christmas Day, they would play Wham's Last Christmas. So you're like, I swear wow. to God, you walk around, you go to Starbucks, you know, you, you go get some sushi for lunch, go go to the shopping malls, and you're like, oh, last Christmas. It must be Christmas today. <laughs> it was really kind of crazy. Huh, that's really interesting. And that is what it, you I, call a segue. Yeah, right. I recently visited Germany uh, and Strasbourg specifically, and Strasbourg has a whole um, small portion of the town that's literally like a Christmas shop year-round. That's it's crazy. awesome. So it's just funny to hear that stark contrasting culture. But uh, yeah, oh, go yeah. ahead, continue, yeah. sorry. So that's fine. So I did the festival and set it up and, you know, had the whole thing. If anybody wants to, you can see it up on, I think it's on Facebook. It might be on uh, Arkham Horror Images of Madness on my, uh, on my Instagram. But I will read the little uh, prologue intro for the festival to give you some insight. Uh, it says, you are far from home and the spell of the eastern sea is upon you. It is the Yuletide that men call Christmas, though they have that they know in their hearts it is older than Bethlehem and Babylon. Uh, older than Memphis and mankind. You are the only one who came back this winter's night to the old fishing town as legend bade, for only the poor and the lonely remember. Um, and basically, this is in Kingsport. I don't know how many people know a lot about Kingsport. Um, it's where Silas Marsh is from. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you basically make your way back to town, but you can't get too far because of the snow and stuff, I believe, that stop your train. So you trek the, the, way, the rest of the way to the village. And it has, you like this, Nate. It has a little bit of uh, Black Star's Rise feel to it, um, but with some more snow and some more shenanigans going on. 
I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe. It's I it's like a, snow and I like shenanigans. Yeah, it's a kind of unique fan made. Um, it has a little bit of sense of urgency, like uh, where Doom awaits in Dunwich. Uh, so I don't know. It was it was quite interesting. Of course, I didn't beat it because that would have been, you know, quite lucky for me to do so. But I enjoyed it, and uh, I'm going to try and make a tradition of playing it at least at least once a year around the Christmas time uh, period. Maybe Vase will get together, do some uh, eggnog and... Oh, there you go. Oh, what Narcan. do you call it? What's eggnog that, What's that food that everybody likes? Uh, fruitcake. Oh. Eggnog mm, and fruitcake and play some. If only we had something to cut that uh, fruitcake with, Vase. <laughs> Are you talking about a cooking knife thing or a machete? Well, I, you bring whatever you want to the table, my friend. I just put it out there for you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that is, once again, that is the festival. Uh, shoot, you know, I don't know if I have a name for this one. Off the top of my head, I cannot remember the name of the designer, which means I'm going to burn in some kind of fan-made shout-out hell, I'm sure. Yeah, which we'll definitely put in the show notes, so <laughs> don't worry about that. And Maybe I'll go back and I'll edit it for Nathan to be nice and give the shout-out to the person that deserves it. Um, right? Yes. Um, but if I were quick, like I is, I've already found it on ArkhamCentral.com. I feel like I'm getting a shout-out to my thing. And it is Matthew Heiti, H-E-I-T-I. Uh, that is the author and creator of the festival. Um, once again, it was it was a pretty solid play. I didn't have any uh, issues with it, and do recommend it. Cool. Well, very cool. I'm going to have to check that out this year. Yeah, during the Christmas time. Absolutely. And then I also have, if you're ready, my quiz ready to go, folks. Oh, yeah, I'm ready to crush base this time. <laughs> oh, I like how Nate like. Like, gets into it, he's like, all right, cracking the knuckles. <laughs> it's on. And his wife walks by, Nate, what's going on? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing. Don't worry about it. Okay, so today, unlike our previous quizzes, I actually have eight cards in my hand, mm. but I'm only going to ask questions on five of them. Okay. So, Vase, give me a number between one and eight. Three. Okay, I'm going to take that one out of the running. Nate, give me a number between one and seven. Three. Okay, and then I'm going to just mix these up, and then I'm going to do the quiz. So there's some of these questions that will never be asked. We'll find out later how that affects everything. Okay, here we go. For the first question, there is only one basic weakness that has the terms pack, pact, and mystery. Can you name it? Oh, a pact. A uh, drawing of the sign. Okay, Vase, was that like the stupidest tag on to answer at the same time? Yep. You were like trying to finish this thing before. <laughs> <laughs> like like everybody, when you re-listen to that, when you re- it's pretty good. When you re-listen to it, you'll realize I said the right answer and he didn't. Because I said drawing the sign and he said drawing of the sign. Oh well, uh, getting shot. When I listen to this, I'll smile. I'll smile when I correct you in both 
when I say through the gates. Oh, so, oh. yeah, that was great. <laughs> wow, that was wow, great. Wow, the twist. Wow, wow. It with the twist. <laughs> okay, next question. Also weakness related. There are two weaknesses that say flaw. Can you name them? Um, Carolyn Friends. Are we talking only basic weakness? Or We're talking basic weaknesses. They say flaw. Because there are investigator weaknesses that are flaws too. Okay. Correct. Over. But that's not the answer. Overzealous. And. Flaw, flaw. So overzealous is more than likely one of them. Yep. So over overzealous is correct. So I get a point. Think about think about um, things that people have within their grasp that they can't do correctly and causes issues. Hmm. Brushing think your teeth. Modern day people. There's not. And countdown three, two, one. It is indebted. Oh, not yeah, able to spend sense. money correctly. Oh, you should have said Skids. Skids has this problem, too. And... Oh, no, I would have figured it out. All right, I don't know if we're... I think we're both at zeros. No, I got one point for overzealous. Uh, that's a half a point. <laughs> Pretty sure it's a half a point. Let's let's go ahead and take a phone call from one of our Patreons. And, oh, no, he said you're full of crap. All right, yeah, next. You should get the point. Uh, that was not a real phone call. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Here we go. I'm going to read the quote on this one, and you can tell me what card it is. You cannot answer before I finish reading the card, or the point goes to the other person. Roland loosened his tie, tilted his hat, and turned up his coat collar. And when he was sure he looked respectably dis, uh, disreputable, he approached the door. What is that? Is it a weakness or just a card? It's a card. It's a card, okay. Um, I, I don't think I've ever said the words respectively disreputable before. I kind of stumbled on that. But any ideas? Uh, um, interrogation. Can you repeat that? Is it interrogation? Uh, sure. Roland loosened his tie, tilted his hat, and turned up his coat collar. And when he was sure he looked respectably disreputable, he approached the door. It's a player card, right? It is trench coat. Oh. From yeah, the I've... dirge of reason. Wow. Yeah. We I've might have to go to a. We might have to go with one of those ones we've kicked out already. If no one get it. Okay. Does everybody <sighs> know the card fearless? Yes. Yes. In Fearless, you've got some kind of a cultist-looking figure yeah. holding up a lamp, and there's tentacles and stuff. Yeah. What's he holding in his right hand? A shotgun. Or a rifle. Some kind of big gun. Big barreled gun. And Nate, do you have an answer? I believe it's a rifle. Point, Nate. Uh, the first thing Bay said was basically what he ended up doing, which was just shotgun verbally vomiting every possible answer no, out of his I mouth. I said a shotgun or a rifle, some kind of long barrel gun. I'm not good with guns. Yeah, you you just vomited out several different. We only chop. <laughs> we only chop people up here. We don't shoot them. Okay. 
Point yeah. eight. Shut it. He's used All to right. mutilating things. God. Next, the card. <laughs> Was that sass? Son of my mother. Do I need to stop this podcast and turn around? All right. Next, we have I will leadership. Pull this around. He would too. We've got leadership here, which is a practiced uh, card skill. But what I want to know is, what are the colors of the two flags in the background while the guy's giving his speech? Oh, I'm pretty sure there's a green one. Gold and blue, I believe. Is that your final answer? Yes. Base. Do I, I get an answer to God, I'm so wrong. I don't um, know, do you? I'm pretty sure one was green and I think gold or red. Well, green and gold. Well... Half a point to Nate, because from what I can tell, it's red and blue. That's okay. I'll go ahead and ask the rest of the questions. There's not many of them. All right, next question. Uh, for backpack, it has one icon. What is that icon? Uh, agility. Agility's correct, Vase. Vase one point, Nate one and a half. Uh, can you repeat that sentence without the word point afterwards? All right, here we go for the next one. Um, this is an item. This has been in my family for generations. Take care of it, and it will take care of you. What? Is that the flavor tax on the card? Maybe it is. What the hell else do you think it is? That's know. the title. Could be That's the, the title test. there, Vase. No. This has been in my family for generations. Take care of it, and it will take care of you. If anybody knows the answer, you can write to Vase and get a prize. Oh, man. This sounds like a survivor card. Mm-hmm. Final keepsake. answer is coming up. Cherish keepsake. Okay. Nate? Old hunting rifle? Question Close. Mark? Elder sign amulet. So uh, I win. I feel like Trebek, kind of, because you know how he always acts cocky because he's got the answer written down in front of him like he knew it? All right, sorry about that. <clears throat> Last thing. I'm going to read what's written in the picture, and you tell me the card. Here we go. At the edge of the earth, underneath the surface, they live. I mean, best case scenario. Best case scenario, you can get it right. Try not to crack under pressure. Okay. We're gonna go with. Don't crack under pressure, guys. Uh, I'm cracking under pressure. Anybody? I, I got nothing on that one. I can't even... All right. The answer is crack the case. Oh, oh man. I God. Was... <laughs> I really didn't think it was going to be that obvious. <laughs> That's so good. I really... I thought that... I thought crack the case had a uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle quote on it. Sure. It might. I'm just telling you what was written up in the picture on the thing. Oh, my goodness. But you are right. It is uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, The Adventure of the Blanched Soldier. So that wraps up our uh, uh, tournament today. And Nate, you pull it off. One and a half.
What? I got one and a half. Uh, I think it was Nate. No, it's a tie. Well, well let's listen to this again. It's a tie. I think it was a tie. It's a tie. All right, I'll give you a tie. I mean, technically I won because I got them all right, but whatever. It, uh, well, it's because you didn't give Vase a half a point for getting... Um, Overzealous. One of those. Yeah, overzealous. I think you were trying... You were trying to... You were trying to not... Graciously let me win, which, while I appreciate it. All right, well, if anyone out there got any of those answers correct or you feel like you deserve a prize, please write to the innkeeper of the Twisted Tentacle Inn. <laughs> or you can the floor. email it's Carolyn Fern, the botanist. Who wiped that the makes floor no with sense. Nate? At gmail.com. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, Good job for doing the quiz, everybody. Yeah. Thanks. Well, um... That's probably going to be it for tonight's episode. Is there anything you guys want to say before we wrap things up tonight? Uh, Vase has something. Go for it. Uh, I wanted to plug the YouTube channel Winging It. Jeff, Jeff who runs the channel, uh, does playthroughs um, using Tabletop Simulator and, and live cards. Uh, and he does some really, really interesting uh, playthroughs. And we did a collaboration, which has been recorded but not released yet, and we will be releasing it on his channel in the next few weeks. So look out for that. We played Very cool. Diana and Carolyn in the depths of Yoth as a standalone. So, that sounds like a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was definitely interested to check that out. <laughs> uh, and I want to say for the record that um, as much as I enjoy hearing my own self talk a lot, I would have preferred to have. The man from Lang, with his dulcet tones and his uh, logical approach to the cards, uh, I would have preferred to have had him with us today. So, yeah. I also needed another chance to make him laugh, which I did not get this episode. Well, you know, that's even if he would have laughed in the first place. He would not so. have, but I can dream. He's listening to this episode <laughs> and he is laughing right now. That's the twist. Yes. <laughs> he's like kicking right. back a drink and he's like suck it <laughs> I'm laughing my ass off and you can't do anything about it uh, I yep yeah, that's actually what happens but um yeah if you guys don't have anything further to add to tonight's episode I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up here sounds good alrighty um so with that um it's been another episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. As always, I'm Nate, lost in time and space. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I am Nathan from Arkham Horror Images of Madness on Instagram. And you can also check out ArkhamCentral.com for all your fan-made fixes. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful week. Thank you. And as always, you can find the show notes for these episodes on our website at thegreatoldonesgaming.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you want, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegreatoldonesgaming. And with that, we want to thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of your day.